0: You're listening
1: to Whoa! Hot Luck. Hot Luck.
2: And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 150. My name is Marvin Yu, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once-in-future professional Asian American Jess Jew.
0: What up, Marvin? What up, Jess? Um, I am I am now married. So that's cool.
2: Whoa, that's
0: both of you. What a way to
2: ring in our (laughs) 150th episode.
0: Apparently, a lot of people got married this last weekend. Like while I was like getting ready, like I was following like the Sophia Richie wedding in Uh. France. And then like Simone Biles. I'm like, I thought I was special. (laughs) I am not. That's fine. Well,
2: did they get married by a female Elvis impersonator?
0: I assume not, but we did have a female Elvis. Actually, vows were her vows, her official ceremony, very sweet, teared up, um, had a good time. Aww.
2: Also joining us for the 150th time, the most professional culture editor, Han win. Hey Han.
1: Hey, the cheese stands alone. I'm so <laughs> single. But yes, congratulations, Jess. I'm very excited.
0: <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm just I'm really excited for the um for the tax cuts next year. Yeah, Ooh, the tax breaks. Yeah, you guys probably together. Him, yeah, I mean, I think it's beneficial. I think I knock them down like a few. I think I am the tax break because I make mm. so little. <laughs> um, and and uh, I I I was asking some friends of mine like. How many marriage licenses do I need cuz you need to order them? Do, do you need any Marvin? Like have you marriage license? You just like, need one. Like the official one. marriage license. You just need one. You
2: need one for permission to get married and then you get the marriage certificate which certifies that you are married legally. Oh
0: yeah, so 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 the certificate like like do you actually need it in real life? Cause like they are like twenty bucks a pop.
2: I mean, I think you need you need one copy as proof in case you need to be asked to provide proof. Other than that, okay. I think as long as you can photocopy, I think you should you should be okay.
0: Okay, okay. Because you don't just have like, you don't
2: you personally don't have access to it unless you have a copy from no, the and, county. No, and I need to go like
0: yeah, so I need to go like ask them. It's it's weird. The legal stuff is weird. I I was like googling like what are my rights now that I'm married, and it's all like. <laughs> as social security insurance, like veterans benefits. I'm like, none of that applies to me right now. Okay. <laughs>
2: well, Welcome to the world of, uh, the wonderful legal world Yay, of marriage. A
1: set of legal uh, rights and privileges. <laughs> Woo! Chowder now has two parents who are married to each other.
0: Chowder is now no longer a bastard and mm-hmm. no longer living in a den of sin. Mm. So he's very happy because I think he has the spirit of like a Puritan chaperone. <laughs> um, he, he whines a lot every time we start kissing. And I'm just like, you can't do that anymore, bro. We're married. So yeah, Um, he still does though, but it's fine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, congratulations, Jess. I'm um, excited to celebrate with you um, later this year when we all go yes through. at your
0: wedding reception. Well,
2: that's true. This that is this Saturday. That'll be fun too. Um, but we're not here to talk just about weddings and receptions. Since it is the end of April, it is time once again to go over the latest Asian American entertainment news in our monthly news segment. Do we want this? But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is bringing us through this week. Uh, Jess, besides getting married, what's popping?
0: I have watched so many episodes of Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives oh, this God. weekend because, again, I, I got married in Vegas, and Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives just exists in perpetuity on a random cable channel that they say it's the Food Network, but there's no way that in real life, Food Network only plays Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives, right? Like this is like a special Food Network you get, yeah, on. <laughs> hotel tvs Mm -hmm. um and you know he's just such a loving loving presence he really feels like the third in our relationship my relationship with raymond because we were medium and then long distance so a lot of time spent in hotels and um (laughs) and airbnbs so in a way it has come full circle and guy Fiori was a very well received presence to this weekend you know, you you can't tell when a, any particular thing was shot. It it almost exists like in a timeless void. Um, but that's why we love it, and it's it's really it's really Pavlov me into like a sense of calm. So, you know, for anyone who's vacationing, there's nothing more rela- relaxing than sitting in a hotel bed that you don't have to make, watching an endless stream of diners, drive-ins, and dives. So that's my what's popping.
2: <laughs> You know, I feel bad because for the longest time, I held unjustified prejudice against Mr. Guy Fieri and only recently learned that he's a pretty stand-up dude.
0: Yeah. He's, like, really pro-gay wedding, like, married a bunch of, like, gay couples. He's, like, um, helps out, like, with emergency rescue people, like, feeds them. He has... Some and weird we, sauce called donkey sauce, but we're not going to talk about that. You know, there, it's worse. It could be worse. And there's there's worse people out there. I have no problems yeah. with that. Right and
1: now. And, I mean, Danish drive-ins and dives is basically, you know, has been bringing up mom and pop establishments for, like, so long. So, you know, you, yeah. you, 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 maybe you hate the hair, but, you know, don't hate him. His
2: aesthetic <laughs> he, is pretty annoying, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's That's a nice just, <laughs> dude.
1: Don't get distracted by this aesthetic.
2: <laughs> I've he, actually never been to a flavor like town. You, You've been oh, you town probably righteous.
0: have. You probably have. There's like a few you would be surprised, like edible oh, yeah. on in downtown, like near the arts mm-hmm. district that was covered. Um, I've been to a few. Uh, Raymond does make me seek them out when we travel, mm-hmm. and there's always a picture of Guy Fieri, you know, with a poster, and he gets really excited whenever he sees one. Um, and you know, most of them are pretty good. And I, I again, no, no qualms with Guy Fieri in this world full of much worse people. If the worst thing is like he doesn't like eggs, that's fine. More <laughs> eggs for me, exactly. In this economy, mm-hmm. no, it's fine. It's
2: fine. In this egg economy, that's true. Speaking <laughs> of eggs, I'm very proud of myself because I've recently. I think perfected my soft scramble technique. Ooh. And I'm consistently putting out a solid soft scramble. And I'm very, very proud of myself.
1: What's your, what's your, the secret to your success? Butter. Lots of well, butter. Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's solid. Very. That, that
0: is, a, that yeah. is, that does make things taste good.
1: Yeah.
0: But anyways, Han, what's popping with you?
1: Uh, speaking of food, but I don't think I saw a lot of butter in there. Uh, I watched a Thai movie called Hunger. Um, It is on Netflix. It is a thriller, (laughs) I guess. Uh, Basically, uh, it's about a, let's see, a noodle shop chef called Oi. And she's really great with the wok and the fire. So this is set actually in Thailand. Um, And she somehow gets scouted and starts cooking, becomes the uh, fry cook for a very fancy chef called Chef Paul. And Chef Paul runs a kind of, I don't know, special cooking establishment called Hunger. So he gets hired by the super, super, super duper rich um, to cater their parties. And his food is a little bit odd in that, um, well, every menu is unique. It is also, of course, some sort of fine dining, you know, wiping the plates and all that stuff. But also the first two dinners that he sets up are when people eat them. It's almost like really gross to watch people eat because like the sauces are so like deep and colorful and like it's dripping out of people's mouths, but it's also transports them an experience. He uses, of course, like incredible ingredients, um, but he's also a horrible, horrible boss to work for. (laughs) Hmm. So it is, in some ways, kind of following in the footsteps of movies like The Menu. Um, but, and and of course, it's also, you know, sort of putting it against her sort of like almost homey cooking and what the desire is that she has. Because um, one of the things they ask is like, why do you want to cook for me? And she, she basically parrots the thing that was on his website, which is, I want to be someone special. And so there's a lot of... Um, Things when it comes to identity, um, about why someone cooks, um, where they draw the line, you know, ethically when when it comes to cooking. And I think there's also, you know, especially when you think about how Thailand basically, you know, created this whole campaign to sell Thai food all over the world. And now that has created this sort of desire and need for Thai food and has, you know, now reflected back on that country so there's also of course um lots of critiques about class um the, the very last party that you see catered is c- pretty over the top there's even a section that they say they call Spartacus they're like "This is Spartacus time and I'm just like what the hell uh, so uh it's a two and a half hour movie uh but weirdly enough it goes pretty fast although I did watch it in a few chunks um I don't know if it reinvents anything, but I think the specificity of the Thai setting and um, and the Thai like restaurant world is makes it unique. Uh, It I I very much enjoyed it. Anyway,
2: yeah, I mean, I saw a trailer for this film, and it definitely gave the menu vibes, but also Mm -hmm. like I'm wondering, like the narrative wise, how much of it is like a sports movie about like a person pursuing their passion and facing challenges and how much of it is like an eat the rich story
1: um kind of both um it is a sort of personal journey for her to figure out like where she draws the line for herself um in her ambitions and uh definitely but the i don't know necessarily if the it's an eat the rich story because i'm not going to spoil anything but it's not like there's a comeuppance for some of the rich people, but there is a comeuppance for corruption, I guess. So, um, yeah, it, it is a dark film. I, I would say there there were like so many warnings when I pulled it up because you know how Netflix has their, you know, ratings. So there is like suicide, violence, you know, um, all that other stuff. But I found it, I s- still found it fairly uh, a brisk watch and made me hungry, of course. <laughs> Marvin, how about you?
2: All right, like we mentioned, next week starts the month of May, which is Asian Pacific American Heritage Month, which, as we all know, is the one month that Asian and Asian Americans exist in mainstream corporate consciousness. And with the advent of Heritage Month, um, for Jess and myself, it also means Asian American Film Festival season. Um, that's right. Both the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival and CamFest are happening in LA and SF, um, respectively, in early May. The LA Asian Pacific Film Festival, which is the festival that I help program for, um, starts on May 4th. And CamFest in San Francisco, which Jess helps program for, um, starts on May 11th. And since the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival is starting next week, um, I want to give a couple of my own programmer picks in case you're looking for a couple films to watch during the festival. My first pick is a film called Hitohata Raise the Banner, which is playing on May 5th at 6 p.m. in Little Tokyo. Um, Hirohata is a... 1980 film about Japanese internment and is famous for being the first ever feature length narrative film um, about an Asian-American story that was also created by Asian-Americans. It stars some great actors from the time, including Mako and Pat Morita. And the version that's being screened is the 4K Restoration. And so if you're interested in checking out some literal Asian-American film history, um, definitely check out Hirohara. My next pick is Hayab Ka, which is um, You Animal in Tagalog, um, which is playing on May 11th at 6 p.m. in L.A. Live. Um, this is an animated film coming out of the Philippines. And the pitch is pretty much, um, imagine a Filipino soap opera, but all the characters are um, anthropomorphic animals. And so,
0: <laughs> Oh my God, that sounds so fun.
1: That sounds fun. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah, it's pretty fun.
1: It's also a little weird. So Filipino furries, is that what you're saying? Is that the log line? <laughs>
2: um, not exactly, because okay. the animals themselves <laughs> are animals. It's it's like um, Zootopia. Okay. Um, but oh. if you are a furry, you might have some funny feelings for these for these characters. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, my next pick is a film called Starring Jerry as Himself, which is also playing on May 11th at 7 p.m. at LA Live. Um, starring Starring Jerry as Himself is a film that Starring Jerry as Himself is a film coming out a Coming out of Slam Dance, and it's a um, basically it's a story about a family whose father gets um, scammed by Chinese scam callers, where he is convinced that um, he is participating um, in a a sting operation on behalf of the Chinese
0: government. He he basically gets coerced to help the yeah. Chinese government.
2: Yeah. And Um, so the film is told in a really interesting um, format, um, both narrative and documentary, where the principal cast are all subjects of um, the story, but it's filmed in a way that... Ask the question, what if the scam was real? And so we're seeing the events play out in the perspective of Jerry.
0: A fantastical, yeah, narrative lens. Yeah.
2: And it was one of my favorite movies that I screened this year and definitely a crowd pleaser.
0: Yeah. So it's his dad, right? It is his dad.
2: Yeah, it's um one of the producers' actual dad named Jerry.
0: Hence the name of the movie. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Um, My next pick is a film called Gaga, which is playing at Downtown LA Live on May 12th at 6 p.m. Gaga is a film coming out of Taiwan and is a uh, family drama about a family of indigenous people living in a rural village in Taiwan whose lives get turned upside down when their patriarch decides to run for public office. It's a slower-paced film, but one that I really enjoyed watching. Um, The director herself is also a member of this indigenous minority in Taiwan and actually won the um, Golden Horse Award, which are the um, film awards in Taiwan for Best Director. Um, So I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, It's a story, much like any story, about indigenous peoples that um, don't get told as much as they should. And I'm glad that we have the opportunity to screen this film. Um, And finally... um, it's a film that probably doesn't need to be plugged, but I did want to point out that the upcoming um, Greta Lee A twenty four film, Past Lives, um, is also screening at the festival on May thirteenth at seven PM uh, in LA Live. And you know, if you can manage to snatch tickets, this will probably be um, your earliest opportunity to watch this film um, in LA.
1: Yeah, I. You know what's weird is I think I saw some people like attending. Past live screening and I was like, wait, hold on, what? <laughs> so, In San
0: Francisco, it was playing at San Francisco Film Festival. I was trying to figure um, that out. Yeah, and and very happy.
1: I was like, yeah, they got it. Wait, I I. So. I but <laughs> at the same time, thirteenth. That's a that's a Saturday, right? So that sounds that is like a
0: Saturday.
1: Uh, it sounds like it might be a fun outing. I might go to that.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, we got past lives. You guys got Joyride, though. I don't think we got Joyride. <gasps> Joyride
0: is the opening <sighs> night. It's going to be the first. Um, it will be the first publicly available screening. Um, Damn it. S- since its premiere at South by. So that's cool. And we also just announced that American Born Chinese is going to do a sneak peek at our place in Jean Luan Yang, the author of the graphic novel, is a Bay Area guy. He's from, He lives in San Jose. He's been teaching there. Um, So that's cool. But then also, you know, we got some like fun. I I did the shorts, which I love because it's like, you know, even if you hate it personally, like it's not going to be more than like 10, 15 minutes. (laughs) Really good bang for your buck. Because, you know, I've been I've sat through very festival-y films where I'm like, I hate this. But like, you can't just walk out. I guess you could, but that does feel kind of rude. So I love shorts. We got some really great shorts. um, And it's also like some of the like like new, like you could just be really weird in shorts because it's like, you know, 10 minutes. It's a lot. The barrier, economic barrier is a lot lower. You can make a short for like zero money or you can make a short (laughs) for like $150,000. You know, like it ranges. And that still doesn't really affect the overall quality sometimes. Mm. Um, Love it. I feel like it's the Wild West surprise grab bag. And there's a lot of really interesting talent coming from like asia and like western asia specifically i'm like you would not find this anywhere else yeah Um, we have a couple
2: films from kazakhstan Um, iran
0: some of the some of the best my favorite films like some of the like just the most like cutting and like like wow like you said you said something (laughs) films have been coming out of iran um and you know young female filmmakers so that that's always exciting and uh It's sad because I don't, I think I'm going to be gone all of Lapith for Cam. And then I think while I'm at Cam, I'm going to be working the entire time. So I don't think I can watch any of them in public. I obviously didn't watch it at home. But there is something fun about watching it with people in a dark, large Yeah. That's the thing about
2: working at film festivals. You rarely get to watch anything. Like even when I go in and present films, I'm like in. And then I need to like go to another place to like check things out. Yeah,
1: It's not glamorous. (laughs)
2: Yeah, but very excited. Film festival season is here, and it's a great time to just watch some good films. So yeah, LA Pacific Asian Film Festival starts um, May 4th, and Fest starts on May 11th, right? So if you're in LA or the Bay Area, definitely check out the lineups and, you know, um, catch some cool films. But yeah, that's what's popping for this week. Before we get to Do We Want This, though... uh, was checking once again on the season of Top Chef on our podcast with the podcast Go Asian. Um, this past week, we had a couple, I thought, pretty cool challenges. Um, the guest judge was mm-hmm. Gaga Anand, who is, I believe, an El Bui alum, right? And as an alum of El Bui, we got our high concept molecular gastronomy challenge right um for our quick fire we got the emoji challenge which i thought was really interesting because people always say oh emojis are such like a universal language but i'm starting to <laughs> but through this challenge i realized not everyone knows or sees emojis the same thing right
1: yeah well i thought that was interesting because we've noticed already that this season um not everything is universal. Like let's say when it comes to top chef challenges, uh, not everyone does quick fires all around the world. Not everyone has to shop for their own ingredients. And this one definitely showed us that not everyone like uses the same emojis or at least, recognizes them because in particular, what we saw was uh, Ali not recognizing a four leaf clover. So he's just like, you know, I got the leaf. And so he made something with leafiness. So he missed the cultural context, a Western cultural context, of course, that a four leaf clover is Irish and, you know, signifies luck. So there was nothing of that in his dish. So, yeah, I I thought that was interesting um, because who makes the, who dictates the emojis? Oh, I mean, this is a whole other podcast. I will send you the link to that. I will send you the link to that. But it's fascinating. Yes. Yes. So this is where people don't realize there's even a bias because we all use them. And uh, yeah, so that was a really good moment, I felt, because I felt bad for him. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, this just goes. (laughs) It goes to show like the limitations.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I feel like the judges also... Give them too hard of a time for not knowing because mm-hmm. I feel like as long as you can justify your interpretation, it should work, right? Because this right. is an international edition of Top Chef, and the irony isn't lost that it's taking place in the UK, and they're mm-hmm. still it still feels like we are they are imposing a Western kind of perspective onto a lot of. I'm just dishes, like right?
0: realizing that like none of the Americans have been knocked out yet, and I'm like, really? Like we're not that good. Yeah. I feel like we didn't send our best folks. Our best folks got locked up in like food network contracts or like, you know, like Disney Plus contracts and they're filming their own shows. I'm like, you're really going to say like we haven't lost a, mm-hmm. a a North American and then we brought a, the, the worst Canadian back.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. Did not love this guy. Well, He's so annoying. He I, only I stuck around one
2: week. He only stuck yeah. around because he had immunity last week anyway. So. It was yes, only exactly. a matter of time. But yeah. yeah but moving I... on to the elimination challenge, which was um, based on a very like high concept dish from Ganga and where you lick a, I think, it was the dessert that you lick off the plate that's like the shape of a world or something. Yeah, he to created... To represent like... <laughs> what was the to represent? Like equality?
1: <laughs> it was for LGBTQ equality. So he made a sort of like almost flat, map of the world but in a rainbow and and the rainbow was created by using actual uh, foods that had that color so he was able to create every different lick evoked a different flavor and of course it wasn't just like fruit like fruit roll-up you know it was like he actually had to create the paste or whatever it is before smearing it onto the the thing, and then people, of course, had to pick it up and look it, which is do you, pretty hype, right?
0: <laughs> do you guys, do you guys follow the subreddit we want plates? Yes, of course I do. <laughs> this gave me the we want like vibes of we want plates. I was like, I want a utensil. Like, I'm sorry, I I don't like having shit on my fingers when I eat. Like, I I I like for the most part, like some things, yes, I think are hand foods, but like a lot of times, like I don't like to have my face or my hands dirty, and I'm just like. Just fucking like, this is the the, the some of their dishes were look good, but I'm just like the, the licking the plate. I'm just like fucking like, just <laughs> but, just make make a cake. Like I don't know, like this is this it's just it's very like racism. Knock it off. Right. Sexism. Knock it off.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, so the challenge is to create a dish with a message that you eat without utensils. Which to me, I was like, this is an unfair. Like we just talked about an unfair advantage for western perspectives but this challenge i felt like is the reverse of that like unfair advantage for non-western chefs because eating with our hands is something that like everyone else does right
1: yeah i was kind of hoping that we would see more like let's say either indian food or ethiopian food that kind of like use you know like the bread as the the vehicle to eat with but there were some really innovative ways of doing things that i, I like besides just looking the looking thing was still entertaining like f- i love a high concept um so as long as that's what i know i'm getting like if i go to a regular restaurant and all of a sudden you don't get something on a plate then it's kind of like what was the point of it but if i went into this i would be like yeah give me all the weird stuff <laughs>
2: so, yeah and i mean I she's not a go asian candidate but i did appreciate the Rustic American chef Sarah mm-hmm. giving us a big old beef rib, which technically <gasps> follows the challenge and was something that I would want to eat.
1: It sounded really yummy. Uh, what was the flavor? Maple.
2: It was like a pecan pecan pie glaze, yeah. rib or something. Yeah,
1: and even Anand was saying that like she needs to open up uh, like a fast. <laughs> A food joint and I was like yes I would go there and eat that like nothing else has she ever made do I really care about like she's she seems fine but this one I was like yes I would try that
2: yeah and you know of course Gabri went with the taco which is a pretty easy go to for this challenge Um, Nicole went for a gin which I'm so mm. I really should have looked this up but mm. do we know is she is I'm she Filipino, sure she's Chinese she yeah, yeah.
0: yeah she talks she makes and talks a lot about Chinese food yes yeah but I mean she but she said the jimping
1: wasn't that good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm, girl, yeah. girl, if you're gonna do the food of your country, you know, you kind of have to represent <laughs> yeah, so yeah.
2: <laughs> if you're gonna do someone else's food so the the loser of course of this challenge was Canadian Dale, who just made it back um onto onto this show, um creating <laughs> a mole like a mid mole. Um, And his message was, don't be ignorant about food. And I feel like his whole concept was kind of telling on himself, right? Oh,
0: my God. As soon as those words left his mouth, I like the biggest (laughs) eye roll. And I was
1: like, shut up, Dale. Like, oh, my God. Like, my epiphany was that I tried something that I racist, you know, my racist self thought was going to be bad. But it ended up being amazing. So I'm going to... uh, give this epiphany to the world and i'm just like oh fuck like (laughs) go home saskatchewan
2: (laughs) (laughs) and like yeah you can't it's just it's baffling because you have someone in the competition who's been making pretty solid moles the entire time yeah. and so like it's gonna get compared right and i don't know
1: yeah. Well, the weird thing was, they did actually say his mole was okay. It was everything else, including the very bland but he chicken. Put, like a bland
0: chicken in it. Yeah. Because I'm he had to put like... something of
1: himself in there. Sorry. That was <laughs> That's tr- like, oh, no. yeah. It's perfect. Not to
2: pile on Dale, but to pile on Dale. But like the whole point of, like, let's say, rustic or like humble cooking is you cook stuff in those juices and those sauces mm-hmm. to like, so that it soaks up those flavors. Like, yeah, I did not understand why he did not, why he cooked that chicken separately and didn't season it. It's Yeah,
1: so you basically season a chicken. <laughs> uh, anyway.
2: <laughs> Anyways, the winner, of course, is Ali, who great. won with this mushroom kube, uh, which, you know, again, unfair advantage for Middle Eastern food right now because not only is it just a naturally more flavorful cuisine, it's also like... You
1: eat with your hands.
2: Yeah, this challenge seems yeah. like... Chris made for those cuisines, right?
1: I did think that I, I really liked Ali's message, though, because of um, sustainability. He decided to make it vegan. So this normally would have been made with meat. And he made it with mushroom instead and uh, made it delicious. So I actually really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, it was a, It was also a solid message, not one that was racist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well four Asians move on to um, the next round we have nine chefs left which means I think one more challenge until restaurant wars which is always a lot of fun <gasps> oh, um, it's
1: always a heartbreaker oh my god I can't wait
2: it looks like next week we're getting the uh, mise relay which is always also always a fun challenge to watch so yeah Go Asian continues and um, we'll check back in next week but that'll do it for Go Asian uh, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're talking about the latest Asian American entertainment news in this month's Do We Want This? Stick
0: around. Hey, I'm Kim Cooper, and I co-host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like. A podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week, we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian-Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Eng's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in baseball wherever you get
1: podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.
2: And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, It is the end of April. So before we head into the month of Asian Americans, um, let's check in with the latest Asian American entertainment news, which I think it's not a coincidence that we have like a ton of stuff coming up this month. Right. With May right around the corner. But um, this is our monthly news segment. Do we want this where we go around and talk about the latest Asian American entertainment news and trailers and ask ourselves if we want this. So um, let's start off um, with a little trailer roundup. Um, Han, what's your, first, uh, what's, 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 <laughs> what's your first story?
1: Well, it was an embarrassment of riches when it came to trailers. Besides American Born Chinese, Exo Kitty, Never Have I Ever seen the Final Season, Gremlin Secret of the Magui. But um, I'm going to focus on two that created quite a bit of stir um, with me anyway. Uh, the first one is the first Trailer that we've seen for the Sympathizer, the miniseries that's going to be on HBO Max, created by Park Chan-wook, and it's still being shot. But they were able to put together a really good trailer. I thought that captured the sort of danger and like, like sort of like devil may care and like just darker attitude. um, Where Captain, who's played by uh, Hua Swan Day, I think. Um, he, you can get his swagger, his attitude. He's being questioned and he's sort of like pushing against this idea that you think you know what a Vietnamese person is, but then he's like, what do you mean? North or South? Wait, who are you fighting? Who were you fighting for? All that other stuff where people don't know. Like I've even had a cousin who didn't understand like what the Vietnam War was about. So <laughs> um, it, I th- I think it was just... It created a lot of excitement because the tone was so good and uh, that it was also funny. And it's not even coming out until like next year. (laughs) So uh, this was a really good, I think, uh, amuse-bouche for me. Um, And it's also reminding me, I need to read the book. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh have I you not om- read the book yet
1: no i've only known about the book it's been on my to be read shelf for a while and i think part of it is because you know it's i can't get it on audiobook so i need to buy it and so, i've even bought this book for my mother and i'm sure she was scandalized because there's some racy stuff in there but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i mean he does jerk off into a squid so uh, yeah and she likes squid <laughs> so <laughs> um i'm going to yeah have to sit down and read it but um yeah, I'm. I'm really excited about it, but it's 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 also one of those where you kind of have to be in the mood. And seeing as how most of my books I've been reading have been rom coms for the past you know year or two, um, I definitely am. I'm going to have to shift over. Um, but I think I'm ready pretty yeah. soon.
2: It's definitely more of a literary <coughs> style book, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like there's form changes in the middle. Like two thirds of the way mm-hmm. through, it becomes like a stream of consciousness um, prose. It's really interesting. I'm really curious to see how. They translate all that into the page, but it does look really well done. And I liked how they even started showing because like one of the big cast news for this project is that Robert Downey Jr. is playing like a bunch of powerful white Mm -hmm. dudes, right? He's like playing all the white characters. And it's kind of cool to see that already being um, teased in the trailer.
1: Yeah, I, I think that was really smart. And he's also such a good actor that I think he knows what his role is. Like, he is not the star, but he is here to just create the flavor for other people to, you know, act against. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. <laughs> there was a little some animation parts that I wonder might be a nod to some of the different, you know, tonal sequences that you're talking about. Um so, yeah. yeah.
2: And I'm really curious about, Cassandra O's oh is in this series, and yeah. I have a feeling I know who she plays, but her character in the book is Japanese-American. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder
1: if they're shifting it, or...
2: Which would be interesting because of um, Park Chang-wook's um, mm-hmm. involvement, and also, like, there's something, I think there's something interesting to explore with a relationship between a Korean-American and a Vietnamese-American, because, you know, those wars. are two people who mm-hmm. were involved in the past two American interventionist wars, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that got split, you know. um, Yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. Um, My mom loves Koreans. So as far as (laughs) I I know, this is dumb to say, but, you know, she has her uh, she has her prejudices, you know, as most older Asians do but Korean stuff she's all about Japanese stuff she's all about so um yeah i don't i wonder if there was some of that simpatico feeling with her cuz i did also get her pachinko to read <laughs> so.
0: it, it is funny the like soft power and like uh that, that some of these countries have because you know like I, you know my family's chinese Chinese-American from, like, mainland China. So, like, Japan is the big bad. And I think for yeah. a lot of Koreans, historically, mm-hmm. Japan is the big bad. And then, like, this year something happened. Like, all all my friends' immigrant parents are like, we want to go to Japan. Oh. Yeah, we want to go to Japan. Japan looks really fun. Like, <laughs> we want to see some cherry blossoms. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's great. Um,
1: Glad <laughs> you're getting out there. Yeah,
2: Yeah. glad you're letting go of that generational trauma, war trauma. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um... Oh. Okay, and so The other one, really quick, because I'm not going to go too deep into it, is we got a trailer for the Marvels, a teaser trailer actually, I think. Um, and besides having uh, starring Kamala Khan uh, actress uh, Aman Valani, who is very exciting, we got another Asian who I've been very excited to see is Park Sojun, a uh, Korean American star of many K-dramas and movies. Uh, very charming, and he has long hair in this. Um, we don't get confirmation exactly of what his role is the guess is that he is playing someone called prince yan who um fights using singing so we see his mouth open a lot (laughs) that's all the things that the internet has told me (laughs) but um i've seen all the screen grabs i've seen the gifs um excited to see more but that was yeah that was big talk in my K uh friends among my friends So. This is the ET1 class guy, right? Yeah, ET1 class, he has better hair than that bowl haircut. <laughs> so, you know, I think there needs to be a deep dive into Park Seo-joon's different hairstyles. Um, but he was also in uh What's Wrong with Secretary Kim. Um, and he was, uh, you know, had a small role in Parasite and so many other things, but those are probably his best-known things.
2: I mean, I just have one main thought about this trailer and it's just is it even legible for people who did not watch Ms. Marvel, right? Because the trailer essentially assumes you have knowledge of the after credits scene of the last episode of Ms. Marvel. And it just makes me think about what the MCU is now. And like it's just become so unwieldy, right? Like, yeah. is there even an entry point anymore?
1: I mean, I don't know if there needs to be uh because that this also assumes that people saw WandaVision, maybe. Um I think that was one vision. Yeah. Uh that has Tiana Paris in it, but uh and how that ended up. But here's the thing. I didn't see the second Ant-Man and yet I saw a third Ant-Man. So <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter after a while. It does not matter.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just google it afterwards. Yeah,
1: and if I really cared, I would have seen the second Ant-Man. Um and I didn't care enough to do that. So <laughs> uh yeah, so uh, but I am besides that second Ant-Man, I think Oh, no, I'm lying. I was about to say I'm caught up. I need to actually watch uh, Captain Marvel before I watch this film, <laughs> but I got time. So. <laughs> All
2: right. Jess, yeah, so what's your first story?
1: That-
0: oh, my first story is Chloe Zhao is going to direct the adaptation of Maggie O'Farrell's novel mm-hmm. Hamnet for Amblin Partners, which is uh, Steven Spielberg's production company, Hera Pictures, Neil, and a bunch of other companies that we don't uh, really care about. So, do we want this? I do. I love this book. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's very, um, like, yeah, what's the uh, what's the
2: elevator pitch for Hamnet? It
0: is the it is Shakespeare fan fiction, but like Shakespeare in real life. So in real life, Shakespeare had a child, a son named Hamnet, who died in um, his infancy or like very young, and so Hamnet is kind of a, a it's a nonfiction book. Uh, about like the real life Shakespeare about the real life Anne Hathaway yes his wife's name was Anne Hathaway mm-hmm. and his family it's very beautiful it's very meditative um, it's very uh, uniquely written in the second person and in present tense uh, which is very interesting for essentially a historical fiction novel um, and I think Chloe's out is perfect for this and I'm excited to see her do something maybe a little weirder and mm-hmm. in her vibe than mm-hmm. trying to shoehorn it her into like the marvel thing which i guess
1: did not work <laughs> no i agree i i honestly i didn't mind parts of eternals but i, I do think that she did have to adjust and take out parts of herself and then do some weird stuff in Eternals. So this I am excited about. This has been on my to be red shelf for a while. So I'm glad for the reminder. Um, and I, I mean, I also just love the fact that Shakespeare's like, Oh, my son Hamnet died, but I'm going to write something called Hamlet. Um, yeah.
2: This may be a <laughs> dumb question, but was Hamnet named after Hamlet?
0: Other way. Yes. <laughs> Other way. Hamnet came first. Yeah, I, because Hamlet is about son and grieving and death and fathers and sons and parents and children. Um, it's actually my least favorite Shakespeare play, uh, but I do love this book, and I am very pro period piece. I think we need more like like true period piece. Mm-hmm. Like I need more like Eliza Elizabethan shit. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. So it. Assuming this is going to be a more straightforward take, we're gonna get some Shakespeare. That means we're gonna get some hot British dude. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of want them just to be like progressive about this. Like, I feel like I would love to see someone like um Daniel Kaluuya in this.
1: Yeah, so you sort of like a David Copperfield, right? Like how we, yeah,
0: but yeah. like but like sad, right? Like oh my god, <laughs> get the skins guy. Like honestly, if you put Daniel Kaluuya. Dev Patel and Nicholas Holt in this mm. piece mm. just have a skins reunion within Ugh. this movie. I'd be so happy. Like it is a it is a fun. I think it's a fun, interesting project. And um, again, I the fact that Chloe Zhao got me to enjoy something like Nomadland. Like mm-hmm. I think this woman can truly actually do anything. That, that was because great. that's the exact movie I dislike, and I was just like, this is actually very good. I'm having mm-hmm. a really good time. So, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. G- give her money to do weird shit and like adapt more books like this. Like, I'm waiting mm-hmm. for the film adaptation of uh, Song of Achilles.
1: Like, like I, didn't, I want a very gay one. Yeah, I didn't love the book, but I think adapted would be better. So, oh, I love the book. And I like, I like Cersei
0: too, but um, you know, like just these kind of like maybe like a notch as much as I love my trashy rom-coms, maybe like just a notch above in terms of like thematic literacy Mm -hmm. for some of these films, you know, interesting ideas. Oh, and then Sam Mendes is Neil. So Sam Mendes is a part, he's, you know, big British producer guy, thoroughly loved his James Bond, had a really good time at Skyfall. Like, um, it is interesting though. She's not British, Chloe Zhao. Um, and so I wonder, it otherwise seems like a very british endeavor um so that would be interesting also to see what happens there
2: yeah and she seems like a pro at making films about like white people on right so
0: you know what and maybe i do think maybe it takes an outsider to make it interesting again so <laughs> let's and and who knows it may not be white like i again i think it would be really cool if we just i don't know if it'll happen but like yeah like let's get some interesting not-white-British talent in there. Yeah.
2: All right. Uh, my first story. Speaking of adaptations, um, Warner Brothers Television has acquired rights to Jesse Q. Sutanto's latest novel, Vera Wong's Unsolicited Advice for Murderers, um, which is a story about a old Chinese woman named Vera Wong who finds a dead body in her tea shop and tries to solve the murder because she thinks she can do it better than the cops. Wow, um, that's
0: so auntie energy. <laughs>
2: Uh, Oprah Winfrey's Harpo Films will develop the book for television with Mindy Kaling's production company, um, Kaling International. Do we want this?
0: I'm not going to lie. When I first read this, I thought I said Vera Wang. And I'm like, is this bitch also writing books now? Like, (laughs) that wasn't like, like, cornering the bridal market wasn't enough for her?
1: Wrong Asian.
2: (laughs) It's Vera (laughs) Wang. My bad. (laughs) Not all Asian the same. Not all Vera's the same. Um,
1: uh, I I do because Jesse Q. S- 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 Tonto, um, I like her other murder comedy series that was all about the aunties, right?
2: Yeah, Dial A for Aunties and Four Aunties in the Funeral. Yeah, or in a wedding and a wedding. I think it's the second. Yeah, time.
1: and I remember what I liked about reading that was it wasn't really a rom com, even though it's supposed to. The first one was supposed to be set up as one, but it was a madcap screwball auntie comedy with uh, with a weekend at Bernie sort of feel, I think. Was that right?
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so I was I remember reading it thinking, you know, I'd rather see this as a movie. So I haven't read this Vera Wong thing yet, but if she has the same energy, I think this would be perfect. I think um, she knows how to do dialogue in a really funny way and have it be authentic um, and just high energy. Just, I don't know. I I love it already.
2: Yeah. I mean, so we're reading Vera Wong right now for book club for Mm -hmm. books in and it's a really interesting story because it's actually more of like like it's a murder mystery, but also sort of like a found family sort of thing, because she starts bonding oh. with all of her customers slash suspects.
1: I love that. Oh that's no! that's so cute. Is
2: the killer right? So. Oh no! <laughs>
0: She's gonna
1: get her heart broken.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm ex- really excited. Um, I really like Dolly for aunties as well, and that's actually being also adapted into a film by the Khan's production company. Mm-hmm. That's a good um, thing. I personally i i want the story to be adapted because I think it's really great. I don't know if I trust Oprah and Mindy Kaling to do it.
1: Mm, Hot take. We'll see who they choose because I don't, they're just producing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. Because, I mean, at this point, if they just throw money, then I'm okay with that. But, (laughs) yeah, it really depends on who they choose to, like, direct and actually sort of head it up, like, and get the flavor. So, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm just liking that they're being both being adapted. So
0: I will take a murder mystery in any way, shape, or form. I mm-hmm. even like the very bad Hercule Perot ones. Oh, those are great. <laughs> they're so bad, they're good. Like the, right. the, the one with like a terrible Verana. CGI and like just absolutely like half this cast cannot act. I love them. Give me any murder mystery. <laughs> yes.
2: Um all right, Han, what's what's your next story?
1: Okay, we are moving into the realm of Disney live action, which in and of itself, you know, might be controversial. But the first one I have is we find out that uh, Disney is going to be doing Moana live action um, and that Dwayne Johnson is going to be developing it and he is going to be uh, reprising his role of Maui. They're bringing back the original screenplay writer. And no director mentioned yet. Do we want this? <laughs> do we need this? Uh, Is my question. Yeah. Like, uh, Moana's already
2: pretty, like...
0: It's so classic. So new. Right? It's yeah. so new. And it's... I mean, just with the track record, especially something like Lilo and Stitch, I'm just like, we are not at the place yet where we, as like a
1: society or where the industry like, can do this in a... Decent way. Yes. So it's funny you talk about Lilo and Stitch because there are updates for that live action version, which we uh, got the casting of Lilo, uh, a newcomer called Maya Kealoha. Um, She looks very cute. Um, But there has been some slight controversy also because um, controversy also because they've also announced the casting of two other characters, Nani and David. And um, what's caused kind of a furor uh, online recently is the people they cast are lighter skin than the animated characters are. Um, They are still uh, either of Pacific or um, island or hawaiian origins so um there's that but uh it caused so much controversy that the role of david actually got recast
0: oh no he got recast because they call him using the
1: n-word there's that too on his social media so, th- so there's that okay <laughs> so there you go there's that um so yeah do we want this no, Lilo
0: & Stitch is such a great movie. It's actually a very woke movie for its time, like if you just pay attention. It's like the subtext of it and about you know and, and like very surprisingly so given that you know the creative team and the director were white men. But I will give credit where it's credit due. Like they they you know, not perfect obviously, but like Lilo also was not voiced by a mm-hmm native Hawaiian actor, but you know, Tia Carrera and Jason Scott Lee, I think all the other cast members were native Hawaiian. And, you know, it was it's a beautiful movie. And it's just like, look, if you're gonna do it in 2023, like your politics gotta be up to 2023. Like like you gotta do better on the colorism. Like the fact that it's not a native director is like sucks. Um, I'm pretty sure the team is like all Asian men and white people which sucks and I'm just like yo like yeah you can't be like arguing for representation for your own community and then like flipping around and being like oh well it doesn't matter like no bitch it matters yeah Yeah.
2: and part of it is also just the the long standing conflation of Asian and Pacific Islander as like one political identity is that that doesn't mean that Asians can also claim PI representation and vice versa. It's like, but to like a studio who is unsophisticated in that delineation, they don't know any better, right? They they assume, oh, we're we're hitting the API. Mark. Oh, they
0: know better. They just don't care. And that's the annoying part. Um, because yes, and like we let's be very, very clear here. Asian settlers in Hawaii are also Part of the Mm -hmm. problem. Yes. Yeah. They are on indigenous land, and indigeneity, and dark skin, and I mean, it's it's again a kids' movie, but like their, you know, their social class, their economic class, the fact that they are Native Hawaiian, like, really does affect this movie and the situation they're in. So to be like that doesn't
1: matter. I'm like, no, bitch, it matters. Yeah, and and. I was mentioning this, too, when it comes to representation. Like, I don't always have to find myself on the screen. But in the pantheon of Disney um, characters, Lilo was the first one that came closest. Because for me, it wasn't Mulan. Like, when I looked at Mulan, I was just like, that's not me. Lilo came closer. And it wasn't until, like, Raya, you know, that got the closest. Um, So that's why Colorism sort of that specificity is important um besides the whole of course um colonialism aspects of it uh, that need to be addressed um so yeah uh i in general am not always into the live action versions of these animated films uh Although I am kind of excited about Little Mermaid, I have to say um because Little Mermaid the animated film I never really cared for. <laughs> so <laughs> I I also hope everyone just like there has not been one good film adaptation,
0: like live action adaptation. Like they are are all not great. Yeah. So I'm just like don't expect this to be good. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like it's it's to make money. It's like I'm fine with that. Like I don't expect any of them to be good, but like it is a cool opportunity to like to hopefully right some wrongs of the past, right? Like, do things differently, update things that you, you know, should have known better, maybe. And, like, so oftentimes they do not do that.
2: Well, I feel like they keep flip-flopping, right? Because when they try to update it, people get mad. And when they don't update it, people get mad. And so... To me, it's just Lilo and Stitch is actually one of my favorite Disney movies. I watched it this summer. I graduated high school with a lot of friends. We were actually out in Orlando in Disney World. And so it holds a lot of memories to me. I remember being like enchanted by the fact that, yeah, this is for the first time a story about like not a rich noble princess, but like a poor family struggling to stay together. Um, and so I don't know. I feel like you can say that the original will always be there. But at the same time, the original is still good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I honestly, especially when it comes to animated films that have a lot of musical elements, I don't know if I want you to see the live version. It's uh, fine. They're going
0: to make it. Yeah, um, whether we like it or
1: not. Yeah,
0: I'm just going to keep crying about the, you know, like the, 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 the lack of representation for like <laughs> the native PI folks. Mm-hmm. Like that's just fucked up. Everything else I could care less about because whatever. Yeah, like we it's not like they're going to like erase the animated version like i can always watch the animated version it's just like the one pro of this could have been giving that opportunity to folks traditionally do not get that access yes and they're not doing it. so we're putting
1: that out there
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right our last story so um was it last week or earlier this month it was star wars celebration um they released a ton of new star wars news which as a person with a i guess at this point a love-hate relationship with star wars It was a lot of meh. Um, One of the interesting stories that came out is they are creating sequels to the sequel trilogy. Um, There's going (laughs) to be a new film trilogy starring Daisy Ridley as Rey, who will go on to, I guess, try once again to restore the Jedi Order, which... um, we can talk about this offline, but I have a lot of thoughts about that and whether or not the Jedi Order <sighs> should be restored or not. But it is being directed by Sharmine Obey Chinoy, who is a Pakistani mm. um, director who, um, I think she directed a couple episodes of Miss Marvel, right? That's, yes, that's she what did. she most recently did and you know, came up as a documentary filmmaker. Um, so I think in terms of representation, that's pretty cool. But I guess, do we want this?
1: Uh, I mean… I love that she's getting the opportunity to do something. Um, I just am tired of Jedi and especially Jedi's we've seen before. So, From I- a purely operational level,
0: Marvin, and you do ops too. Yeah. So like go on this journey with me. <laughs> like if it's so hard to maintain this Jedi order, <laughs> then there's something foundationally wrong, right? Like there, there's... Either their structure, their 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 like hierarchy, like something's wrong. It doesn't work if it they have if it keeps getting demolished and restarted. It's their dogma. It's
2: it's their beliefs, pretty much, right? (laughs) It's like their belief that you should not have attachments, but then everyone has attachments, right? Like yeah. Anyways.
0: Yeah. So I'm just like, me thinks you should just let it go and start like something new and just not call it the Jedi. Like, I, that's just that's just from like a purely professional angle. Like, yeah. I was working for Deloitte and like, can't, <laughs> you know, I was consulting for the Jedi order. It's like, yo, like, this is what I recommend.
2: Which hot take. I would
0: watch that show, actually.
2: <laughs> which hot take was kind of the thesis of The Last Jedi, which I. I totally vibed with, but then I guess people did not like that they were painting the Jedi Order in a bad light, among other things that they did not like.
1: Oh brother. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm surprised actually Daisy Ridley signed on for this again because I feel like they did her so fucking dirty and like they did not protect her and like it just didn't seem like a good experience for her. And I almost wanted I almost think like was that like the worst thing is being in the, I mean, I guess
2: It's boatloads of money. Oscar Isaac. It's boatloads of money.
0: It's boatloads of money. So good for her. I'm sure she's not crying. But, like, from an artistic, like, actor standpoint, it's like being cast in Star Wars, like, the worst thing that can happen because you just become the Star Wars person.
2: Well, you can say that for any Disney franchise, right? Marvel, same thing. Like, it's both the dream and also the curse.
1: I mean, some people get to be in multiple things. So. I know, I mean like it's it's like half
0: half, right? Like Oscar Isaac, Harrison Ford, obviously, like doing fine. Um, also probably not surprising because they're the closest adjacency to like white maleness. Or you'd be Michelle the-
2: Yeoh and just be in all the franchises. Yes. What's the ETA
0: yeah, to Michelle Yeoh being
1: in a Star War?
0: I mean, she should be in a Star Wars. I mean she's <laughs> um, she's
1: gonna already be in a Star Trek. So
0: I mean Ming Na's done the hat trick, right? Yes. The Marvel yes. Marvel um Jedi or Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Princess. Princess, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I think for me, the fact that like it's being held by a Pakistani American director, I want this because I think as always, you know, our general thesis is more diversity behind the camera, always a good thing. As a Star Wars fan, I don't know if I want unless, yeah, like you mentioned, Jess, they're doing something different with the story. Like I don't want this just to be, oh, we're gonna try again and create this order of space cops, right? Because <laughs> that's yeah,
0: not interesting. We don't want space cops. No, and, and again, my whole TED talk about Jedi is like, when you're a Jedi, like, you are just inherently a part of the big, big battle, right? And it's like, you're. what else are you going to do? Yeah.
2: And let's not forget but the like, whole prequel trilogy was about how this order of space cops could not foresee the rise of fascism within their own government. Right. And they got I, betrayed. I mean,
0: I mean, literally, their whole thing is like, you shouldn't have feelings. And that fucked them up. i like, let the boys have feelings. Oh, my God. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. 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 So very anti-Jedi. Sorry. Hot take anti-Jedi. <laughs> they are not a good organization. We um, they, they are inefficient in everything and they cause more harm. We should stop them that yeah
2: so what i want from this series is for them to explore that what made the jedi fall in the first place what could they have like
0: saying okay but now you're talking about like oh we're gonna make a star wars but it's gonna be about taxes like that is that you're talking about like oh we let's we want a star wars but we want to talk about organizational failure i mean technically the
2: phantom menace was about a trade dispute
0: exactly and no one likes the phantom menace So that's why you're pitching basically take Star Wars.
2: Duel the Fates. Bang song.
0: Yes. But (laughs) a song does not a movie make.
2: Well, whether we like it or not, we're getting new Star Wars and we will talk about it because it is Star Wars. So, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Andor is great. (laughs) So if I get more Andor style stuff, I'll live. I'll live with it. You'll be happy. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And with that. Um, that'll do it for this edition of Do We Want This? Um Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
0: I'm still on Twitter, I guess, at
1: just you tweets. Yeah, it's I don't know. I i was surprised I was still there too, but I'm at Anonymous. Did you get to keep your blue check Han? Oh no, 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 no. no uh i i am not that cool because everyone got theirs removed but celebrities with more than like a million followers just got them reinstated because of course the checks mean nothing <laughs> <laughs> nowadays and so you have all these celebrities trying to get rid of them so they've like learned ways like if you ch- they change their uh their name they can get rid of it but then sometimes they get it reinstated if they talk about it so it's it, i love it's just
2: that yeah. the blue check mark has now become literally the scarlet letter
0: yeah, yeah it looks media. lame it looks so lame
2: <laughs> well you can find me blue checklists at marvin you you can find the <laughs> show at good pop club we are a proud member of the potluck podcast collective check out our fellow asian american hosted podcasts uh, by going to the website podcastpotlook.com. that'll do it for april happy asian pacific american heritage month i wish everyone the best of luck as we brave into busy season for all of us professional asian americans yeah (laughs) until next time bye everyone Bye. bye hi i'm marvin part of the potluck podcast collective